Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Onward in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. There's a new Pixar film in town. I like Pixar. This is this is exciting. I'm uh, kind of. I Onward is absolutely a Pixar film, and I think when you go and see it, uh, you know the the quality of the animation and then the way it is able to effectively strike its emotional moments. Uh, those are the parts that really shine through for me. For this movie, uh, but the build up to it, the the you know just I wasn't watching the trailer, but I you know I knew what it was about, and it was like a fantasy world gone, uh, you know, technologically advanced in a sense, and nothing about like the posters I was seeing or the characters I was looking at screamed exciting. It wasn't a movie that I had very high hopes for it I don't know it it just kind of felt bland which I never want to say that about Pixar you know their films are hardly ever bland uh you know I think I you know it, it kind of the opposite happened with Brave I was really looking forward to Brave and I came out the other side of it thinking uh you know man this kind of let me down a little bit. And I still really like Brave. I think Brave is a really good movie. And I think uh, over time I've learned to appreciate it more. But compared to some of the heavy hitters uh, that Pixar has, Brave is a, a fair, a, a distant, distant uh, comparison to a lot of them. And my impression heading into Onward was that it would kind of hit in that same ballpark. You know, maybe... A, Solid double, maybe could squeeze out a solid single, maybe could squeeze out a double type of a movie, uh, at least within their filmography, which by any stretch is a fantastic bunch group of films. And, you know, even if Onward is is just an okay Pixar movie, that's still a pretty good good experience. And, and there's still going to be a lot to enjoy within it. Uh, Onward is directed by Dan Scanlon, uh, who also directed Monsters University. Another Pixar film I, I was kind of meh about, and uh, you know I only watched it the one time. I think if I when I if and when I ever go back to revisit it, uh, I don't expect myself to like it more. I'll probably end up liking it less. Uh, Onward stars the wonderful voice talents of Chris Pratt, Star Lord, Guardians of the Galaxy, Parks and Rec, Jur- Jurassic World, uh, Tom Holland, Spider Man. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus from Veep, from Seinfeld, uh, Octavia Spencer, uh, Mel Rodriguez, who I, I quite enjoy, Ali Wong, Lena Waithe, John Ratzenberger, absolutely, of course, has to be in this movie. Uh, Tracy Ullman shows up here, uh, and a couple of others, including Wilmer Valderrama, if you're familiar with him from uh, that 70s show, Fez. A bunch of people in the movie. Great, great voice cast. I thought the voice work was really, really strong, and um, it had to be. I think uh, the film is primarily a Chris Pratt and Tom Holland show. You know, we get some other characters, some peripheral characters, but 
this is the more most for as as adventure and expansive as this film tries to be. This is one of the more you know focused Pixar movies I think I've seen. It doesn't have a huge host of of characters in its cast, and, and you know, despite you know Julia Louis Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer and so on, you know all the other characters that aren't Chris Pratt and Tom Holland that aren't uh, Barley and Ian are uh, you know they're they're just stepping stones to get us to where we need to go. And I think <clears throat> the last time I can really remember a Pixar movie feeling this way is Finding Nemo. But I thought, for me, the personalities of the peripheral characters, the uh, just the, the fact that that movie feels so much bigger, uh, the movie looks so much bigger, the movie acts so much bigger, it, the, the drama is... is much more organic and 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 innate to the characters involved and uh the way it flips back and forth between marlin and nemo's stories and and of course dory and everything that goes on in the fish tank in sydney uh, all the various characters that they meet on the journey that felt so fully realized it felt so wonderfully actualized with the way that the characters interacted with everybody else and their environments uh you know the ocean and how expansive it is and and then i look at onward and you know it is also you know two characters on a journey to you know to find something reclaim something fix something solve something save something and so much like finding nemo and yet the peripheral characters don't hit as hard the the environment doesn't you know, it doesn't feel as, as organic, doesn't feel as natural. It doesn't have the same uh, attention to detail, I think, a movie like Finding Nemo did. And so it's not my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, and there's a solid chance it won't be my favorite Pixar movie of the year, uh, depending on uh, how well Soul ends up doing and, and how, how much I like that. But that's not to say that there aren't a lot of strengths to Onward. The cast, uh, or the voice ta- the voice work for Chris Pratt as Barley and Tom Holland as Ian, and the relationship of these two characters uh, is the strength, right? It's their movie. It is about their relationship with their lost, gone father, who they are trying to bring back uh, for a day. And... Along the way, we discover, you know, how they really feel about their father, how they feel about each other, how they feel about themselves, and that part of the movie works really well. It is very successful at pulling out these emotions from scenes that might otherwise feel a little manufactured. There's a dancing scene um, about halfway through the movie that it, it kind of comes about apropos of nothing and you know when i think about it in hindsight it's like oh well you know what this kind of feels out of place but when you're feeling that scene when you're experiencing that scene and living it through ian and barley's eyes and and given what you know has happened between these characters just prior to this moment it it works it's a release of, of energy and of happiness, and, and it just, it, it all works. And, you know, say, you know, plenty of elements of Onward are very tropey and, and cliche, 
plenty of elements of Onward are unsurprising, but the emotional moments are just daggers. They are just perfect and they land despite the cliche, despite the tropes, despite the expectation. Um, and, and that's, you know, if that's what Pixar ends up becoming, I, I don't have any problem with that. Like, that's great. Uh, if you're going to give us movies that are a tiny bit expected, but hit with such an emotional force that, you know, you leave the entire audience crying, uh, that's that's a success. That's a win in my book, and an Onward pulls that off. I was a little apprehensive. Uh, the first third of the movie, the first act, uh, when we're trying to kick the adventure into gear, is slow takes its time to materialize uh where a lot of like peripheral characters are thrown at us that never really matter uh, particularly uh ian's classmates that he tries to talk to and such um we get this opening you know a couple of minutes of opening that tries to kind of set the stage for what this movie is and i, I guess it kind of needs that unless you're gonna try to i don't know maybe it doesn't it's it's a nice little uh, prologue to the movie we're about to see, but when you get into the film and you realize that Barley's character is going to continue to continue to tell us, you know, who knows how many times, four or five times, that uh, the game he plays is based on real history. That's that's it. That's all I need. I don't need the backstory. I don't need you know the movie to tell me it's true. If Barley's telling me it's true and Ian's saying, well, is it really? Because he doesn't remember it. Uh, discovering that it's true, that's that could be part of the journey, right? And and that's something I think an older Pixar movie wouldn't have done. It's not going to spoon feed us these answers uh, this way, and and yet Onward does for whatever reason. Uh, when I don't know, it just the jokes, the humor. I don't know, there's funny moments in Onward. It's not a riotous film by any stretch. It doesn't... It misses the mark a little more often with its humor than it does with its drama. Uh, and I think it mistakes um, a lot of thing, a lot of something in, uh, in place of being funny. Uh, Octavia Spencer's character, she plays... <laughs> the manticore in the film who i believe in the trailers is not you know not a traditional manticore as you might read in fantasy stories but rather owns a diner now and there's the first scene where we really meet her ian and barley are doing their best to try to get through that new exterior of hers as the owner of this diner and to the core, mantic core, uh, of what she used to be, the person she used to be. And first of all, how old is this manticore? You know, if it feels like, you know, if you look at the trajectory trajectory of, of technology in, in present in our life, uh, you don't get to the, the place that they're at from the Middle Ages in the lifespan of a normal person not at all but uh, apparently you do in the lifespan of a manticore would have been nice just know how old a manticore is 
Uh, I don't believe they mention it. But the scene itself, uh, there's a part where, where Octavia Spencer just starts like, I don't know, she just blows her top and, and the fuse is lit and she just goes off on on a couple of people around her. I don't know. I didn't find that funny. I didn't find it endearing. I didn't find it. It didn't draw me into her character. It just it just was. And I think that scene is supposed to be like, I don't know. Uh, look at look at this giant creature pretending to be uh, what something it isn't. And the movie's not about the Manticore, and I didn't have enough groundwork to care about why the Manticore is you know, not acting the way she used to or, or has changed. And I don't know. I, I think a lot of these moments in this movie are a little confused. But that aside, um, the final third of this movie is awful. And I, I say that in like the most tear-jerking, uh, miserable, gut-punching way possible. It's it's just emotionally wrecking watching this last watching the last act of this film and part of that is is what happens between Ian and Barley part of that is how that you know how their relationship uh develops with their dad and 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 even their mom to a degree and you know everything that came before the that moment this final the second the third act rather uh is fine uh, slightly good, you know, looking at like a three-star film, and um, and as the final, as the last act, kind of, you know, the final 20-25 minutes of the movie play out, it just ratcheted up the drama, ratcheted up my involvement with this film uh, to such a high degree that it, it bumps it up to about four stars, like it barely makes that fourth star, but it absolutely earns it, and I will be doing spoilers to kind of get into the specifics of it, but suffice to say, uh, this movie just just destroyed me. Uh, and, and it's like, I think about some of the moments towards the end of it, and I just, I start to well up, and, and it, it, you know, my breath gets shorter because I'm, remember, like, devastated by what must be going through the, head, the minds of these characters and, and how they're feeling and reacting to this this the situations that they find themselves in it's you know it's it's a 95 minute journey to get to these moments and you know maybe it's a little long and maybe they're the detours are a little you know a little far outside of the um outside of the main path but man when they get to their destination it's it's so worth it it's so worth it um of course, I know that, and then I'll just talk about this in the spoiler part too, but I have a particularly special connection to the story of this movie uh, that not everybody is going to have, but I think it's presented in such a way that it really does um, give itself the opportunity for anyone to to feel a connection with Ian, to feel a connection with Barley, to feel a connection uh, with, with their plight, with their... their peril um so i ended up really liking onward i admit it has plenty of problems i don't know if it'll hold up quite as well on a rewatch i won't be you know it won't 
probably won't destroy me as much uh, when I get to the end of it a second time. And even if it does, uh, I think I'll be... No, just knowing that it's coming is likely to drive down the first two-thirds. But, you know, maybe there's more to find in those than I thought there was the first time. Um, I don't know. I, I think my biggest thing... one The biggest thing I would have changed about Onward... And this kind of ripple effects through the through the entire film is get rid of the prologue, just open on the city as it is now, and Barley be have Barley be convinced that the game he is playing is based on real history, and let the characters discover that it's true throughout the duration of the film. Don't tell us it's true from the onset, you know, when he interacts with the Pixies, and you know. It has so much more weight when we don't know that what he's saying is true. And because we do, you know, when he, you know, when, when Ian drags him away and, and Barley's like, I, what's wrong with me telling them how they are, like, something true, real about these, the pixies and what their wings are for and whatnot. You know, like, give us that, that doubt. You know, give us that, like, well, how much of it is true? How, you know, whether... How much of you know? Give us that extra layer, and I, and I really wish it, they had done that. And I think that uh, sucks a lot of air out of the room of this movie, unfortunately, because of the way it's presented and because of uh, the way that the lack of, from my point of view, the lack of trust that I think the film has for its audience. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of like saying i don't know it's the magic of a world for kids and this is kind of me projecting onto kids because i don't i don't have the mind of a kid now but you know if if you're watching a movie and all of a sudden the main character can do magic you know harry potter i mean harry potter has its own prologue but if you're watching a movie and and there's no preface of magic is real or magic used to be real and your character finally starts doing magic at like the 20 minute mark or by accident at like the 5 10 minute mark that's wonder like that's wonder right that's wonderment that's like eyes lighting up like oh my goodness what is happening and for me that is all completely siphoned out of the film because i know oh no magic is real it's just old, you know, like, oh, using an abacus is real, but it's just old, people don't do it anymore, and so I would not be surprised if I walked down the street, or if, like, I'd be like, oh, somebody's using an abacus, that's strange, but, like, abacuses have existed, and I get that they're a thing that exists, where, and, and, you know, like, that's kind of how magic feels to me in this movie like nobody's done it in forever there's no need to do it uh, apparently but you know it's it's something that exists and the movie tries to have it both ways where like they tell you it exists but then they show all these characters who are like what's magic i don't know you know who's a this that and the other thing and and uh, it's just, that's my biggest my biggest bleh, problem and so I do think there's a really good chance that the second watch on Onward drops its score a little bit, maybe down to three and a half stars, but it's 
just over the cusp of the fourth star for me right now. And uh, I'll get into spoilers and kind of try to convince you why that is the case right after this spoiler bumper. So this is the end of the non-spoiler section. If you have seen the film and, uh, and or you don't care about learning specifically intimate details about the movie, uh, listen on. Don't ask too many questions You don't want answers to You don't like my direction And I won't follow you The main plot of Onward is Ian has just turned 16 and on his 16th birthday his mother reveals that their father, long past father, left them uh, a present. Ian and Barley and with the implicit and in, explicit instructions, don't give this to them until they turn 16. Turns out the gift is a wizard staff, um, and they are also gifted a spell that goes along with it. Barley tries to do the spell. He is the one who is, you know, mad, you know, into the magic, into the all that stuff, uh, but can't do it. Tries, 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 cannot get it to work. And the spell, as described, or at least as illustrated is supposed to re uh, return uh, their father to you know the real world for a day until the next sunset um you know n realizing you know that he was sick that he was going to die he kind of created this insurance this life insurance policy so that one day he could meet his kids one day he could see them and then you know just experience life with them and that they would ex experience him and, and care about him which is amazing, uh, such a wonderful gesture, and you know really starts the movie off in a, in a positive note. And of course, things go awry. Uh, Barley kind of gives up. Ian picks up the staff and is able to bring back the bottom half of their father until the energy source of the, of the uh, staff runs out. And so the movie becomes the two of them, Ian and Barley, having to go on a quest to find another energy source. I forget the term they use. It's like a fire gem, crystal, whatever. And they get the... So ideally, they find another one. They use it. They finish the spell. They get their entire dad back. Great. And time is of the essence. The sooner it happens, the sooner you get to see your dad again. Your dad. The The... the you know, and this isn't... You know, we've seen, I've seen a lot of movies, you know, with missing parents, missing parental figures and things like that. And, you know, sometimes it's disease and accidents and sometimes it's the parents that left. And a lot of movies handle these these situations very differently. Some of the, sometimes the kids are upset and angry and don't, you don't care about it. Sometimes they're just drawn to their parents and need to feel that connection. And I think Ian is de definitely in that camp. Ian doesn't know his dad at all. He barely spoke to him and experienced him when he was a kid. Hardly doesn't really remember anything about him. Barley's a little less, uh, you know, Barley has a couple of memories about dad and, um, you know, was kind of, you know, sentient as a, as a human being or as an elf, I suppose, when dad was sick. And he has those, he has a little more to go off of. And you see it in the early part of the movie. Uh, Ian plays a tape that his dad recorded when he first set up like the answering machine. And he's listened to it so many times 
that he can conduct a conversation with his dad through that recording. And, and like, that was the first scene where my heart just broke. It just shattered in, into tiny pieces. Uh, so, time is of the essence. They, they have to get the other source. And, of course, roadblocks along the way. And then dealing with the manticore. And then finding out, you know, solving this riddle, solving that riddle. Stopped by the cops, etc., etc., etc. But, finally... Things really start to kind of click, and Ian and Barley are like sharing nice moments with each other and then reminiscing about their past and about the dad. And Barley confesses, you know, I was supposed to see dad one more time before he passed. I was supposed to go into the room when he's all hooked up to the tubes and, and you know, everything. And he tells Ian that he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He, he did not want to see dad that way. It wasn't dad. It was somebody else. It's not... It doesn't look like dad at all. He tries to forget about who dad really was. And on this other side, Ian, who never had a dad, um, gets progressively more and more upset because time is running out. He has never really experienced what his dad is like. And, you know, the first... The night passes and it's the next day and they're trapped and, and like, everything just keeps holding them up, holding them up and he keeps blaming Barley for setting them back time and time again. He has a list of all the things he wants to do with his dad and we keep watching him cross stuff off that list because he doesn't think he's going to have enough time to do it. And when we get to the third act, they realize as they come out of this long, winding river underground that the whole time that they've been floating on this giant Cheeto, that they've just been in the sewage system. It's devastating. It's it's awful. It's you know it's pulling the wool over your eyes. It's pulling the rug out from underneath you. It's you know how do you how do you how do you feel how do you react to that? You know for Ian it's it's the worst thing. You know, they went, they spent all this time journeying and it led them right to where they started, back into the middle of the city. And there was a pivotal point where they decided to do one thing instead of another on Barley's uh, insistence. And he's he laments the fact that he listened to Barley. He's frustrated. He's angry. He, he can't, he has trouble putting it into words like what this could have meant to him. And I think ultimately Ian ends up kind of resigned to the fact that all right it's over it's it's just about to be sunset any chance I had of, of meeting my dad is gone gone I have these I have these legs and as much as they're my dad's legs I, it doesn't mean anything right if it's not the head you know who who really cares it's it's he can't even give him a hug. He can't. They can't hold hands. They can't. He can't even hear him. They can't say anything. And so Ian kind of storms off, determined to spend the last few minutes he can with his dad or whatever part of his dad he can. Barley doesn't follow him. Barley's so sure that there's an answer. So sure that something, they did something wrong or, or they're missing something. And he's. You know, he's looking around, he's trying to figure it out. And 
uh, he follows the water, to, you know, they had, they were supposed to follow the water to the end. And he looks over and finds that the water comes out of a fountain. And he jumps into the fountain. We saw him earlier in the film, you know, trying to protect the fountain from being destroyed because it's a landmark and it represents the history of the city. And so people try to remove him again. He gets free. He climbs up to the top of it. He finds a hole to put his little piece of doodad into. And all of a sudden, the gem is revealed. It's not too late. But it kind of is. Because we know that there's a little more to it than just, there's a gem now. Uh, the Manticore neglected to tell Ian and Barley. Oh, also, there's a curse. Uh, oh, also, there's a dragon. Oh, also you know, and a giant stone dragon forms. It's got this comically funny face on the front of it. Uh, It's formed out of stone that it picks up from the nearby school. Uh, And it's going to kill Barley and Ian. Uh, Ian returning back. uh, Ian, while he's been away, has come to the realization that, no, he never got to meet his real dad. Uh, he didn't have the experiences with him that he wanted. He didn't, you know, it didn't work for him that way. But as he's reflecting back on the journey that they took, uh, he had those experiences with Barley. And he goes back further. And, you know, when he was a kid, you know, Barley was his older brother looking out for him, raising him, being the father he never had. And, you know, they don't really specify how much older Barley is than than Ian. I would say, like, three or four years, question mark. Uh, So, you know, it's not like Barley was an adult when they were kids. uh, But, you know, he was the older one. He looked after his little brother. He helped be this this adult to him in a lot of ways. And so Ian realizes this, returns back to where he, you know, where he left Barley, and Barley's already got the gem, and the dragon is forming, and everything's going crazy. It's it's crazy. Things are just out of control. Um, meanwhile, Mom and the Manticore fly in. Uh, the Manticore flying, fly in uh, with the Manticore's sword that can, you know, pierce the center of the the stone dragon. Uh, to, to quell the curse once and for all, to dispel it completely. And a fight ensues. Uh, and and so Mom and the Manticore trying to distract and, and draw the attention of the dragon away. Meanwhile, Ian, capable of using magic, grabs the stone, grabs the staff, finds Dad's legs, and completes the spell. And... Barley helps him to kind of bring Dad back, uh, but it it you know they're still figuring out how to deal with this dragon. It's more powerful than anyone was thinking it was. Uh, the sword is not you know he it pushes the sword out of itself. Uh, it takes down the Manticore. It takes down Mom, and uh, you know Ian ends up you know the spell. He leaves it so that he can go duel the Manticore. And, you know, he, he, you know, fights it. The staff gets knocked into the water. He finds a splinter of it. It turns it back into the staff, a, a new staff. He uses that as for magic. He fights 
the manticore. He he magically grabs the sword out of the air that his mom throws and, and flings it into the middle of the dragon just before it can reach Barley. And in the ensuing uh, uh, explosion, damage, etc., uh, he's stuck in this stone, I don't know, pit kind of a thing. Uh, all Ian can do is is climb up partway and see through a hole and watch his dad come to life for a minute to share a few words with Barley and then give him a hug and disappear. Here. He told Barley that, you know, he had a dad in Barley, or someone to step in, and Barley didn't. Barley lost that experience, and that's why he, he told Barley to, to do it, to stay, to, to have the final few moments that they had. Ian couldn't have gotten out of there if he wanted to, and, you know, if he calls out, he just distracts anyone from really having an intimate moment with their dad barley or ian and otherwise and it's so so depressing i didn't man uh my my, uh when i was a kid and and you know i lost both of my parents i you know, when it finally hit me, when I really knew what was going on and knew what had happened uh, in my life, there was a long period of time where I would have done anything, anything, for one moment, for one second. You know, I, I have lots of memories of my dad. You know, I was older than even Barley was when when he la- when he he died. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't fully wrap my head around it, and, you know, I wasn't raised by one person, uh, so, like, I had two people raising me, and I had a, you know, a parental figure that was male and a parental figure that was female, so I wasn't missing that per se, but I, I know what it's like to watch and feel like, you know, you you feel like you did everything right. You know, Ian feels like he did everything right. He followed all the steps. When it finally came time down to it, he, he listened to Barley. He did what Barley wanted him to do. Eventually, he realizes that, you know, Barley's been there for me. He makes the ultimate sacrifice that I, I put myself in those shoes. I don't know that I could have done that. And after all of that, this whole quest, this whole journey, his whole life, he's spent who his whole life just wanting his dad. And and yeah, he has barley and, and, and that's something. But it's it's not enough. He's gonna He does so much and he gives up so much and he gets nothing. Yeah, he he gets the you know the knowledge that Barley's kind of been his de facto father for you know the last 10 15 years 10 years or so but that there there's no I, I can't think of what of anything I would trade for a minute 
with my dad right now. And at the same time, I miss, I'm an only child, so I don't have the, you know, the barley relationship to think about. But I also feel very confident that if I could, you know, if presented with, you know, give up everything you have for a minute with your dad, uh, that's a pretty, you know, for, I mean, it's, it's a tough decision, but I feel fairly confident I choose my dad. But then there's the other side of it, uh, you know, knowing who I am and, and knowing my life and my personality of, you know, give up this moment with your dad so that somebody else can have a moment with their parent instead. And I think there's no way I wouldn't agree to that. And so I, I get it, right? I get it. I see a lot of myself in Ian wanting something so bad you would do almost anything for it and also at the drop of a hat giving it up so that someone else can have something that they want slash need i i think there's truth to that i feel it i i know it i'm watching ian you know despair as he's too far away to say anything watching his dad who he doesn't remember give his brother a hug that he'll never feel and I see that as me I see myself doing the same exact thing failing to to do you know what's necessary but also knowing that I'm doing you know what is necessary at the same time and it sucks it really really sucks and I think onward you know, all the things I dislike about the movie structurally and, and from the writing and so on, it delivers on the drama. It delivers on the emotion. It's not... It doesn't pull its punches. You know, your main character who spends their entire time in the movie trying to resurrect and, and spend time with their dad doesn't get to do it. That is a That is a huge, huge decision to make. That is a huge swerve at the end. And and I I am so, you know, awed that they were able to pull that off. Awed that they could they had the guts to to do that in a kids movie. It's it's devastating. It's 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 you know, you you if you you you, you have a kid and they're watching this and and just the the recognition the realization that they can spend and put so much energy into something and for it to not happen i mean that's that's life right how many people you know you apply to colleges you submit work writing paintings etc you 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 sign up for contests you, you you compete in a tournament you study you train you you practice hours 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 uh even something as simple as a video game where you know you've played 50 hours of this video game and you come up to the final boss and you lose you know that's devastating right you spent so much time doing something and you get to the end of it and you fail that is miserable that is just so awful and 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 then you translate that into you know i spent 
it's, you know, you, you train and you study and you practice and you go to school, you want to be a lawyer and you fail the bar exam, right? That's so frustrating. That has to be just, just in, 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 I don't know that you infuriating, right? You just, and then you think of, you put it into the perspective of something that could not possibly have any more weight behind it. Yeah, you know, this video game, it's not my it's not the end of my life. It does, you know, I haven't been waiting my whole life to beat this video game. Two years ago, I didn't even know this video game was going to come out. Or, yeah, I've spent, you know, a good third of my life, maybe almost a half of my life, training to be a lawyer. Uh, but, I know, I can always take the bar exam again. I can study more. I can try again. I can make this work. There's, there's ways around it. This, what what Ian gives up, you know, at least as far as the movie seems to indicate, there's no coming back from it. It will not happen again. He will not get another chance. He has one, this one shot, and it's gone. No one took a picture or recorded it on video. No, not none of that. It just, it was a glimpse. He saw his dad's side profile for a couple of seconds, slipped back down into the rubble, and when he came up the next time, he was disappearing. I spent the last 20 minutes or so of this movie in tears. I really wanted Ian to meet his dad. I wanted him to finally finally get what he wanted and every time it was denied you know when the they came up in the sewer and the realization that his dad is barley or or at least the the things he wanted to with his dad he did with barley and and then of course sacrificing his chance to meet him for barley to spend some time with their dad is it, it it wrecked me you know, I'm long past the time of being a kid. I haven't been a kid for a while now. I'm probably, well, we'll see. May it probably closer to being a parent than I am to being a kid at this point. And, you know, if, if something happened to me and my kids never really got to know me, I would want there to be something you know, they can always, my kids, they they could always, you know, listen back to these almost 500 podcast episodes now and hear my voice, kind of get to know me, some of the movies I liked, some of the movies I didn't like, you know, get an insight into who I was that way. Um, there's record, you know, there's videos of me out there and other recordings and there's a lot, you know, in this day and age that you can kind of look back on and remember people by. No one's truly gone like that. And and yet none of that none of that's the same as meeting them. None of it is. It's not going to be close. You end up you end up with a a picture of who they were, not the real thing. Pictures, you know, I have pictures of family, friends, 
see them a lot. And they mean something because I know who those people are in real life. I know who the three-dimensional versions of those pictures are. I met them, spent time with them, talked to them. That goes such a long way. But when you have a picture of somebody you don't know, somebody you never knew, it's it's not quite the same. Doesn't doesn't work the same way. Ian has lots of pictures of his dad. He has an re- audio recording of his dad, but he doesn't have his dad. He doesn't know his dad. There's a point in the movie where he talks to somebody who did know his dad, who uh, remembered the really ugly purple socks their dad wore. And you don't get that from a picture. I mean, if the pictures of the purple socks, sure. But, you know, you don't get the connection that attribute has with who the dad is. You don't, I don't know. All in all, I found Onward to be, you know, it has its problems, but it it delivered in the last 20 minutes or so. It made me angry, sad, I cried a lot, I, to go through what they went through, what Ian, Ian specifically, what, what Ian goes through is, would, would wreck me, and like I said, I think I would make the same decisions he made, ultimately, and, and after it, I would spend days, hours at a time, for, for the years of my life, wondering, questioning, what if, what if, if it was me instead of Barley, or if somehow we could both do, what could I have done different, what, what, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, it's a lot, it's a, it's a heavy movie, and there's no easy answer, and I like that about it, I like the way the movie goes to the places that it goes, it's, it's rough, and, and I, I think it needs to be, movies, the best ones are challenging, the best ones are, you know, emotional, they bring out deep held feelings about one thing or another, that is, that is the best of what film can do, and Onward, Onward has a piece of that in it, um, and I, I, I probably connected to it more than a lot of people did, and I'm, I recognize that, but, you know, movies are also subjective in that way, so, um, that said, uh, that's gonna be it for today's episode, uh, my review of Onward with spoilers attached to it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Plays Where Podcasts Can Be Found. If, for any reason, there uh, are problems, uh, you know, missing episodes or something where you're listening, uh, they can always all be found at circleoffilm.com. Additionally, I use Podcast Addict for all my podcast needs. I only listen to podcasts from my phone, uh, and uh, it's never failed me uh, for what that's worth. If you'd like to find me in other places, I, uh, Twitter at Circle of Film, Letterboxd at Circle of Film, or email circleoffilm at gmail.com, you can 
support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or listen. Just listen. But if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you can have early access to all the episodes that are released early. This one was released a day early. And uh, of course, before we go, I must thank Brian for his very generous support as a patron to the show. It does mean a whole lot. Uh, thank you all for listening. And as always, have a week.